It's Christmas! Well, tonight, thank God it's there instead of you. Oh, Christmas Day, my ass. I'm driving home for Christmas. Oh, I can't wait to see those faces. Christmas to you and all. It's the second Merry Britmas November episode, and that means one thing. December is right around the corner. The jolliest month of the year is almost upon us, and festivity is everything today on our podcast that looks at all sorts of British Christmas nonsense. To get extra merry, I'm going to explore some British versions of an absolute classic called White Christmas as well as a special from an underrated sitcom called Cuckoo, and continue the big Christmas number one showdown. Also, I thought I'd add something extra with some on-air, or at least pre-recorded on-air, reviews of some British festive snacks to make you hungry. We all dream of a white Christmas, or at least Bing did, and Irving Berlin, who wrote the song way back in 1940. I'm sure many of you listening to a Christmas podcast know a thing or two about this song, so I won't go into too much detail, but here's a quick outline of the song's history. Stories vary as to the exact time of writing it, but apparently Berlin told his secretary to write it down because it's the best song anybody ever wrote. It's hard to disagree considering how successful it's been. The first public performance was with Bing on radio for the Kraft Music Hall show on Christmas Day 1941, a few weeks after Pearl Harbor, and you could imagine the sentimental feelings concocted by this song at that time. It was primarily written for the musical Holiday Inn, and Bing recorded a single version to release. Many think the song changed Christmas music forever as it attached these ideas of home and longing and family connections to the hearts of America and therefore the world, as American culture spread throughout the subsequent years. It didn't immediately hit success, but was released in late July as a group of songs from the musical, but grew in popularity as Christmas drew closer in 1942, with many suggesting the war also helped it become beloved, especially with lines like, just like the ones I used to know, adding to that melancholy nostalgia and longing for better times again. It spent 11 weeks at the top of the US Billboard chart, and won the Academy Award for Best Song as well. The song was re-recorded by Bing, due to damage to the original, and the version we hear most often nowadays was the 1947 recording. The record became a staggering hit though, with an estimate of 50 million copies making it the biggest selling single worldwide of all time. It's been added to the Library of Congress's National Recording Registry, and ranked fifth in the AFI poll of top movie songs. It's one of the most covered songs as well, with over 500 recorded versions, with stars like Michael Bublé, Frank Sinatra, The Drifters and Otis Redding having well-known takes on the track. But this is Merry Britsmas, so let's get to British covers. First up is a classic rock and roller who many people assume is American, but he was born William Broad in Stanmore, Middlesex in 1955. He then moved to New York when he was only two years old, but returned to England four years later, growing up in the south of England and struggling at school leading to a report card to refer to him as Idol which inspired his future stage name as Billy Idol. He started with the retro rock band before forming punk group Generation X and then going solo in the early 80s, 
moving to New York City to become a big star of the decade with hits like White Wedding and Rebel Yell. He's since become a semi-legend of rock, but has a great sense of humour and self-awareness, appearing as himself in films like The Wedding Singer, and releasing a rather cheesy Christmas record in 2006 called Happy Holidays. There were two originals, but a bunch of covers, including this take on White Christmas. Dreaming of a white Christmas With every Christmas card I write May your days be merry and bright And may all your Christmases be white I've shared music from the next band before, as they've got a few interesting festive covers on their Surf Christmas EP from 2019. The odd thing is that the band, Peggy Sue, are an indie folk act from Brighton, so the surf style is something a little out of the ordinary, but they do it well, especially on this take on White Christmas. Back in the mid-2000s, there was a whole bunch of indie rock bands firing out left, right and centre in the British music scene. Not many made it that far, but one band had a good chunk of success, despite many calling them a bit boring or bland. I quite like Keen, to be honest, but their early stuff is better and they formed in 1995 and didn't release their debut until 2004, with Hopes and Fears becoming a big hit, topping the UK charts and winning the Brit Award for Best British Album. Four albums followed, but we're heading back to late 2003 before their first actual album, and they appeared on Steve Lamack's Christmas radio show for the BBC and covered White Christmas. Of a white Christmas, just like the ones we used to know, where the treetops glisten and children listen. particular interest is their slight changing of the lyrics, especially the opening that's often excluded from other versions talking about the sun shining in LA, 
but Keane changed it to the Reign of London Town. The sun's been hiding, the streets are grey, the rain has been falling down, seems everyone wears a frown, for Christmas in London town. It... And our last cover for this episode comes from someone with some festive pedigree, as she appeared in a British Christmas classic, Love Actually, as the Prime Minister's love interest, Natalie. Recently, it was Love Actually Day in our household as well. This is the day that comes five weeks before Christmas as the film starts then. And the film stars Martin McCutcheon, who was a soap actor and singer, who released four albums and a festive EP. But the cover of White Christmas did not come with the Christmas EP, but on her third album called Musicality in 2002. It featured Martine singing songs for musicals such as Cabaret in Greece, and she did actually perform on stage as well in musicals like My Fair Lady, so it all makes sense. But of course, in the track listing is White Christmas, as taken from Holiday Inn. How about you check out another podcast in the Christmas Podcast Network? Christmas is about traditions. Throughout the holidays, friends and family gather together to share love, laughter, and a bounty of Christmas foods. We all love tracing our family traditions back through the generations to find out where they began. But have you ever wondered about the food found on your holiday tables year after year? Join me, Glenn Warren, as the host of Seasons Eatings and travel the world as we explore the history and origins of your favorite Christmas foods. New episodes are released every month. You can find Seasons Eatings at seasonseatingspodcast.com and wherever you download your favorite podcast. So join me, Glenn Warren, for your next serving of Seasons Eatings. Greg Davis is a national treasure in my opinion. He's brilliant as the Taskmaster and in the underrated comedy Man Down, which also has a Christmas special for us to look at one day. He also appeared in the festive episode of In Between Us, which I covered some time ago. But I felt some more recent Greg was required. Cuckoo was a BBC Three show that started in 2012, written by Robin French and Kieran Quirk. The start of the series was BBC Three's most watched comedy launch and it's probably down to the two stars at the centre. Of course, Greg Davis is there as Ken Thompson, wife to Lorna, played by Helen Baxendale, who you'd recognise as Emily from Friends. And Ken is father to Rachel, played by Tamla Kari, who was in the Inbetweeners movie, and Dylan, played by Tiger Drew Honey, who was previously in another family sitcom, Outnumbered. 
At the start of the whole show, they met Rachel at the airport from her gap year to discover she'd found a man, an American hippie named Cuckoo, played with relish by Andy Samberg. Ken and Cuckoo clash constantly, and some very funny side characters include family friends Steve and Connie. However, in the second series, Andy Samberg left the show to become a bigger star in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so the show needed a new American star to annoy Ken. So they roped in Taylor Lautner of Twilight fame to be Dale, a cult member who's revealed to be looking for his dad, Cuckoo, who was killed off in the show whilst trying to save mountain goats in Nepal, apparently. And Rachel was actually replaced with another actress, Esther Smith, for some reason. So Dale ends up staying with a family and at the end of series two, hooks up with Rachel even though she has a boyfriend, Ben. And it's all a bit weird because she was married to his dad in the last series. Anyway, another important point is that Ken lied about having a vasectomy to his wife for a couple of months before getting one, which leads to the Christmas special, which begins with Ken writing Christmas cards angrily. Dear Dave and Pre, haven't seen you this year. Don't want to see you next year. Why am I doing this? Please kill me. Lots of love, Ken. Uh. Sorry, Ken and Lorna. I gave you the option. You could have watched the film. Love, actually. I'd rather lick the turkey's till it's cooked by friction. Lorna and her best friend Connie are Christmas shopping, but Lorna faints, leading to a nearby midwife to intervene. Mrs. Thompson, Lorna, you feeling any better? You fainted. Fainted? What? Would you mind me asking? Are you pregnant? No. Oh, my husband's had the snip. Okay, sure. Only as a midwife, I can usually tell. Glad to be of help. Gabriel. Ooh, that's a Christmassy name. Lorna. Take care. And at work, Kent is asked a festive question. If you would commit to playing the role of... Hamlet. No. Stanley Kowalski. <laughs> no. Then it must be... Father, Father Christmas. Christmas. No. Nina, who put you up to this? They ask me every year. But it's the role you were born to play, you know, with your stature. <laughs> oh. Well, you might as well get something worthwhile out of all those big lunches. Oh, come on, Ken, it's Christmas. Yes, it's Christmas. Get over it, Nina. So that's a... It's a no. No, no, Nina. Nina, no, no. OK, I'm hearing it. A maybe. Meanwhile, Dale and Rachel argue about their situation with some embarrassing language in public. You have to stop this. It's weird. What? So the father I never knew also happens to be your dead husband. It's not that weird. It's massively weird. It stops here, OK? What if we're meant to be together? What if you're my one? That's my mom. And Dylan is angry at having to take part in a Christmas show. Ah, the mystery man returns. What's all this I've heard about you performing in a Christmas show? Uh, yeah, I might be doing a song or something. <laughs> you're singing? Oh, fantastic. Where's this come from, Dill? I don't know, Mum. I don't know. So can you stop with all the questions? Come on, Dill. Tell me, Mum. Yeah, come on, spill, Dill. We won't laugh at you. Yeah, all right. Well, Zoe said she'd only get back with me if I sang some stupid song at this stupid show. What? And Ken and Dan find a pregnancy test showing Lorna is pregnant, but assume it's Rachel's. My God. I'm going to be a granddad. Have you spoken to Rachel about this? Uh-uh. Well, check in with you first. Plan was to exchange on the new board. It's my mum's 60th that night, so I thought we'd roll both parties into one. But if Rachel's pregnant, should I ask her now? Might be nice. Then I'll do it. God, I feel so impetuous when I hang out with you, Ken. At the family's annual 23rd of December balty curry meal out, Dale follows Rachel into the restaurant's kitchen to make an ultimatum. 
I never planned on falling in love with my dad's widowed wife. But, but, but you don't love Ben. And one of us has to be there for you. Yeah, come on through. Let's go. Rachel, I need you to choose between me and him. Damn, please, stop. Right now, right here. I'm not walking out of this room until you give me an answer, okay? Two names, me or Ben, okay? Ben or me, me or Ben. And in the toilets, Lorna and Connie have a chat, trying to explain the pregnancy. Well, you have always really loved Christmas. But Ken's never going to believe me. He'll be just like he was when I saw that UFO. Probably worse. Con, it's so great to get it off my chest. You know, to finally get a sense of perspective. Yes. We must prepare for the coming of a messiah. And during the dinner, Ken's friend, Steve, orders the hottest curry. And now to prove my manhood, I'm going to order the hottest curry on the menu. Emma! It's John. John. Um, your hottest mushroom file, please. I had one of these on my wedding night. Almost hospitalised me. <laughs> Mr. Charles, please be aware that since 20 years, the heat of the chilies available in this country has increased tenfold. You're all right, no need for the history lesson, John. I can take it. I'm going to take anything tonight. <laughs> burning! My insides are burning like Mordor! Oh. And Ben convinces Ken to do something to help him propose. Nina, she wants me to be Santa at the community Christmas performance. Christmas show? That's public. Oh, yeah, it's at the town hall. Oh, Christ, no. You have to do this for me. Get me on that stage. Ben, if I do this, it will mean throwing away every bit of dignity I've gathered over 25 years as a respected lawyer in this cathedral city. Really? Throwing it away more than the time you were caught stealing at a funeral? It wasn't stealing, but yes, more than that. But Ken is not happy about the costume and his look. Oh, great. And remember to slap your belly when you laugh. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, but slap your belly. Really got to use those natural assets. And I love your little Robin Hood friend too. I'm an elf. And then gets a note from Dale just before being due on stage. Ken, by the time you read this, I will be gone. I've lost the girl I love and can't bear to stay. That's all you need to know. You will never know where I'm going, nor why. It's from Dale. He's leaving and he won't say where. Huh. Stand down. He's written it on the back of his booking confirmation. Bellens on the next train out of Litchfield. Meanwhile, a pregnant Lorna and her friend Connie arrive at the theatre to get more suspicious portents of her apparent virgin pregnancy. Oh, Steve! Con, two tickets, please. Hi, Lorne. Oh, sorry. We're all booked out tonight. No room at the inn. <laughs> oh, actually, you might be in luck. We did have a cancellation this afternoon. Oh, that's great, thanks. You can have Mrs Shepherd's tickets. And Ken rushes off to the station to talk to Dale and find out the truth. I intercoursed with Rachel. Oh! Disg... That is disgusting! Oh, she's your... Well, she's not your mum, but... Come, Dale! Oh, no! Oh, sorry! That is yuck! I've totally fallen for her. She's your dad's widow! Oh, God. It's not yours, is it? The baby. Maybe. But she says she wants to stay with Ben. I mean, that's why I gotta leave town. 
He decides he needs to stop Rachel accepting Ben's proposal as she likes Dale. But back at the theatre, Steve has taken the role of Santa, but without the costume, so is dressed as... Hello children, let's spend some quality time together. What is he dressed as? Some kind of glam rock umpa Ken bursts back into the theatre just after Rachel says yes to Ben, though, to protest. Ben! Don't do it. She doesn't love you. Ken? Ken, she just said yes. What? You said yes? Dad, what are you doing? You don't have to say yes. Not if Ben isn't the guy for you. Well, Not if you love someone else. I'm so sorry. You've got nothing to be sorry for. Ken, this is unhelpful. And I want you to know... If you don't marry him, we will stand by you. And the baby. But Rachel has no idea about a baby. Ken, this is actually quite treacherous. What are you talking about? Baby? I'm not pregnant! Aren't you? Aren't you? And Lorna reveals her Holy Mary thoughts to all, and Ken has to confess. Ken, Rachel isn't pregnant. I am. <laughs> I know you might say that can't be, but it's true. And you know I would never, ever cheat on you. And that means the only other option is... I'm Lorna the new Virgin Mary. the new Virgin Mary. When you've eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. As ghost hunters. Is this why you went to church this morning? Ken, it's been awful. I took the test and then I checked it with the doctor and I thought you'd think that I'd been, you know... I lied about the vasectomy. Say what? I did have it, but two months after I said I had it. I'm sorry, Lauren. You lied to me? Actually, that is a massive relief. And then we get Dylan's festive performance. Glory to the newborn king. <laughs> The family and Dale celebrate Christmas together, but a cliffhanger hits with Dale leaving suddenly after looking at a picture of his dad, with Rachel shouting after him in the road. It's an odd sad cliffhanger for a Christmas special, but does quickly link into season 3 and gets resolved soon after. This episode is more fun than I remember, but not quite as funny as I wanted it to be either. I feel it tries to go for some heartfelt bits, but doesn't quite hit, as it's not as balanced enough or they aren't quite earnest enough. I'd prefer it to go more silly to be honest, as I know Greg Davis is brilliant at the silly madness as seen in a show like Man Down. It's festive enough with a Christmas performance, Santa costumes and Christmas celebrations ongoing, not to mention the Virgin Mary connections for Paul Lorna. I may have to revisit the series to watch more of it as I'd like to see more of this odd family and always more Greg Davis. And now it's time to reveal the results of the final group of the second round in the big Christmas number one showdown. I randomised every Christmas number one into matching pairs and they're facing off until we get down to one winner. I'd love for you to share the posts, get your friends voting and get in touch to let me know which ones you want to win and which ones you want to chuck in the bin. Over the last week or two you've been voting and the results are as follows. 1957's Mary's Boychild by Harry Belafonte, 
beat Christmas Alphabet by Dickie Valentine from 55. 85's Merry Christmas Everyone by Shaken Stevens beat 1998's Goodbye by the Spice Girls. 1967's Hello Goodbye by the Beatles beat 1999's I Have a Dream by Westlife. 1963's I Wanna Hold Your Hand by the Beatles beat Spice Girls 2 Become 1 from 96. 1984's Band-Aid Do They Know It's Christmas beat Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, which was number one in both 75 and 91. 1974's Lonely This Christmas by Mud beat Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You from 92. 1962's Return to Sender by Elvis Presley narrowly beat The Beatles' I Feel Fine from 64. The Human League's Don't You Want Me from 81 beat Hallelujah from Alexandra Burke in 2008. And Spice Girls' Too Much from 97 beat Conway Twitty, It's Only Make Believe, the last of the song from the 50s to be knocked out. And now we're into the third round and it's crunch time. In this round we're going to have the last nine songs broken down into three groups of three songs. Each will be up online for two or three days for voting and the top song goes through for each group. Two will go out out of every three songs. So here are the randomised matchups for you to vote for. The first group is The King, Elvis Presley, with Return to Sender, versus synth-pop duo The Human League with Don't You Want Me, facing off against Band-Aid's mighty Do They Know It's Christmas. The second trio are those girl power girls, The Spice Girls with Too Much, versus The Fab Four, The Beatles with I Wanna Hold Your Hand, versus a Christmas song, Shaken Stevens' 80s classic Merry Christmas Everyone. And the final group are Mary's Boychild from Harry Belafonte versus another Beatles song, Hello Goodbye versus some slow glam rock from Mud with Lonely This Christmas. Before we head off, I wanted to start a little extra festive something for the next few episodes with some British treat taste testing. I love scouring the shelves for new festive treats, but realise many, especially many overseas listeners, may not have heard or tried some of them. So I thought I'd add my expertise in eating and Christmas to share what I've found, what they're like and how festive they are. I've decided to grade them in two areas. Firstly, how festive they are out of five mince pies, with five mince pies being super festive and one being barely festive. And then tastiness out of five Christmas puds, with five Christmas puds, the top, super tasty food, and number one, not that tasty. I've got three things to try today and I'll probably have a few more in each of the next two episodes, but I thought I'd start with something savoury. And this is a type of crisp, or I suppose you'd call them a potato chip if you're uh, American. But actually, these are the sort of crisps that aren't the traditional potato chips you're thinking of. They're sort of puffed maize snacks. Uh, over here we have crisps like the Watsits, for example, that are sort of sometimes cheesy or uh, beefy and quite thick and crunchy. And for Christmas, one of our supermarkets, Sainsbury's, or actually <clears throat> quite a few of our supermarkets, put out Christmas-themed versions of these things. And they've released something called Jumbo Pigs in Blankets Flavour Puffs. They are absolutely huge. We've had a bag that's been going for a couple of weeks and it just seems to never end. They are full of these big, quite chunky puffs of these crisps. Uh, they're very, very crunchy. Probably be able to hear me crunching the bag now. I'm going to try one. I've had quite a few already, I will be honest. The crunch is great. I've got a really solid crunch to them. I forgot to say as well, for those Americans, pigs in blankets over here are different from your pigs in blankets. I believe 
American pigs and blankets are like a pastry around a sausage. Our pigs and blankets are a sausage with bacon wrapped around it. And that's kind of the flavour of this. There's a slight smoky bacon seasoning flavour to it. Not much sausage flavour really, I suppose a tiny bit of porky aftertaste. Um, just not a very nice phrase, porky aftertaste. Um, but they're quite nice, but I wouldn't say they're super festive. I think if I had to rank them, I'd probably give them only maybe two out of five festivity and mm, three and a half for tastiness, three and a half Christmas puds, because they are tasty, but not sure if they taste exactly like what they're supposed to taste like. They are quite Moorish though, I feel like you need to munch down on more and more. Oh well, never mind, let's get straight onto the pudding. Right, I just had to cleanse the palate there for moving from savoury to sweet. I've got a cup of tea to help me out with this one. So I've got a couple of sweet treats that I've picked up in recent weeks. First up is the Lint Little Bear. And Lint chocolate is quite a popular chocolate over here. It's made in, I believe, Lint is uh, supposedly a Swiss chocolate. They are Swiss chocolate manufacturers that are um, sort of famous for slightly more luxurious chocolate than your average chocolate. They make little shapes and little um, mini wrapped sort of chocolate balls that are usually quite truffly over here with different flavors and insides. But they're a bit more expensive than your average chocolate. And for Christmas and um, for Easter as well, they often do little shapes that are a bit more common, things like bunnies, for example. And at Christmas, um, a couple of things, Santas and these little bear figures, which I don't really see the rest of the year. Um, so I thought I'd grab one of these off the shelf. I think it's just the normal lint chocolate, which if you've had that before, um, you'll have probably um, know what it's like. It's quite creamy, so hopefully this is the same type. Um, the little bear's very cute. It's a little gold wrapper with um, sort of a printed uh, pattern of a nice cute bear and a little uh, sort of necklace ribbon with a love heart. Not super festive, I will say. You know, if I was going to rate this just for festive quality of looking at it, probably a two again. I don't believe it! The sort of, you know, red colour, red and gold is quite festive, but other than that, it's not particularly festive. And, um... Yeah, it's not the most festive chocolate treat I've ever seen. Um, I'm pretty sure it will be I'm quite a big fan of lint chocolate though. The actual, once I tear through the foil, the actual shape of the bear is embossed onto the chocolate though, which is very nice. The molding uh, makes it look quite pretty. Um, sometimes some of the cheaper ones, it just looks like a homogenous shape. But here you can see the um, shape of the bear and his paws and his eyes and his nose on the chocolate. I'm gonna take a bite first. They are hollow shapes, but I do enjoy the lint chocolate. It is chunky and thick, so there's quite, you know, a good chunky, snappy bite to it. Um, I really like lint chocolate. It's very creamy. Um, it does have that Swiss chocolate feel. If you've ever had Swiss chocolate, you'll probably know what I mean. It's quite rich. You know, you probably couldn't eat a lot of something like this. Well, I could. Most people probably couldn't. So I'd probably give it um, a four out of Christmas puds for the taste. Lovely jubbly. <laughs> And finally, uh, the last choice is something from um, Milky Bar, Nestle's Milky Bar. And uh, Milky Bar is a um, sort of a chocolate bar that I haven't seen too much of in recent years. They are a white milk chocolate bar that were popular amongst sort of targeted at young kids. They used to have something in this country um, called the Milky Bar Kid, uh, which is a little character, a little boy in glasses who would go around um, sort of in a almost cowboy style, I suppose, outfit and cowboy style asking for Milky Bars. Um, it's been played by various children over the years. But now, what they've done for Christmas is they've got a little 
uh, reindeer shape with glasses wearing the Milky Bar Kid um, bandana uh, and reindeer ears in the shape of um, I assume it's a reindeer although it looks more like a bunny with the bunny ears but it's got I think it might actually be a bunny I think it's meant to be a bunny some reindeer um, antlers attached to it um, so I'm gonna peel back the foil and see what it looks like inside oh yeah this one also has the shape inside so you can see the outline of the eyes Although it doesn't have the outline of the um, antlers on the head there, which is a bit disappointing. Um, a bit similar in shape to the last one, to be honest. But this is white chocolate. Definitely a much thinner chocolate than the Linton. Less chocolatey. I know it's white chocolate, so I suppose that makes a lot of sense. But it doesn't have that richness of the Lint chocolate. And I think, I think I used to like Milky Bar chocolate a lot more. I don't know if they've changed the flavour profile probably in recent years, as many chocolate bars seem to do. But... It's a bit more sickly than I remember. Um, so I wouldn't say this is a great flavour, maybe probably say two and a half Christmas puts for flavour. And for festivity, maybe two and a half as well. Solid two and a half for each. Not great, not brilliant, but not bad either. You palonka! Um, so yeah, those are my three. Probably Lint is my favourite out of the three of them, uh, even though I have eaten a lot of those crisps. On the next episode, I'll try some more Christmas treats. I have a little stash going that I'll get reviewing for next episode. Um, I might post some pictures as well of some of these so you can see them on my social media and see what I've been eating and maybe the top ones I'll recommend for you to get just before Christmas for your stocking fillers or just to eat yourself on Christmas Eve waiting for Santa Claus. Um, so my top recommendation from this episode will be the Lint Mini Bears uh, just for their richness and fun, crunchy, thick chocolate. And that's it for Merry Britsmas for November. But it is about to become December, and that means there's going to be two normal episodes. So I say normal episodes, but super extra festive episodes. And a bonus Christmas episode that usually comes out just before Christmas Day with new British Christmas music. And I've been finding quite a bit of good stuff this year as well. So hopefully we'll have some fun stuff for, to share for you guys. Um, I'll hopefully also have some reviews of some Christmas adverts, as usual. And all the other nonsense Christmas stuff I like to discuss. But a big thing is the big Christmas number one showdown. So go online and vote for your favourites out of those three groups. I can be found online on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, X, uh, all at Merry Britsmas. I'm also still posting Merry Moments on um, Twitter X and also on Reddit, on a subreddit that I often post on called UK Christmas. Uh, so if you're on Reddit and you like British Christmas stuff, come and follow on UK Christmas. And happy blooming Christmas to you and all. <laughs>